Ethiopia is one of the great gospel stories of our generation. The nation of Ethiopia has seen a gospel explosion over the past 30 years. But with the growth of the church has come challenges, including persecution. But growing out of that persecution are believers on fire to reach others with the gospel. These men have all come to Christ. They've all started house churches. And their united goal is to plant churches all the way to the border of Somalia and beyond into Somalia. We'll hear more about how God is building his church in Ethiopia right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We are in the studio today with Alan Shear. He is the Horn of Africa Director for Frontline Mission. We're going to meet him. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things they're doing, but more importantly, some of the things God's doing in the Horn of Africa and those countries there. Alan, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks. Great to be here. Let's talk a little bit first about Frontline Mission. I think some of our listeners are probably wondering, okay, what is that? Who are you? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about Frontline Mission and what you're about. Frontline is based in Greenville, South Carolina. We're a small agency focused on advancing the gospel in the world's difficult-to-reach places. So uh, Voice of the Martyrs, Frontline, we're in most of the same places. We're not in as many places as you are, but we share the same heart. And that heart certainly is to, to stand with the church in these hard places, to equip them, to carry forth the gospel mission. So talk about the countries of the Horn of Africa. What kinds of things do you do there personally? What kinds of things does Frontline Mission do there? And, and kind of describe what your work is in that particular part of the world. Yeah, great, Todd. God com connected us about eight years ago with some leaders in Ethiopia. And, and just to give a little bit of background, Ethiopia is one of the great gospel stories of our generation. Since the fall of communism in around 1984, evangelical Christianity has grown from m probably less than 1% to more than 20%. So the church has experienced— In, in what, 30 years now? Yeah. yeah wow. Just over 30 years. <laughs> it, it's amazing. And it, and it really was—you it, it, know, we use the phrase God thing. Uh -huh. But when you think about the fact that the country was emerging from economic devastation— you have an Orthodox Christian majority and a Muslim minority, and both of them were very antithetical to Christianity. And yet in, that, in the midst of that, God just did something that no one can explain. So the church is, is growing, but the leaders in Ethiopia realize that, uh, and, and this is their words to us, we feel like the church is kind of a mile wide and an inch deep. And they were concerned because as they looked down the road, they could see that whereas for the past 30 years there's been so much persecution that the church is very pure, but they're going to get to a tipping point where 
evangelicalism is accepted, they have more freedom, and then they're just looking at a, a, a tidal wave of false doctrine, aberrant theology, and they're thinking, we've got to do something to strengthen the church. And that's when God allowed us to step in and partner with them. And, and that's not just a problem in the Horn of Africa. In the countries, a lot of the countries where Voice of the Martyrs works, where you guys work, we see the church growing really fast, but then there's that challenge, okay, all these people are coming to Christ, how are we going to disciple them? How are we going to raise up leaders? How are we going to train them? And what are, you know, so that's, that's not a unique problem just to that part of the world. But boy, when you talk about a country going from 1% to 20% in just really a few years, it must just be multiplied there. Well, you have now somewhat, somewhere around 17, 18 million believers, which is beautiful. Yeah. You have 100,000 or so pastors which is wonderful, but then you start drilling down, you find out that at the most, one out of five pastors has access to any theological training. So they, they, they don't have the tools that they need to be able to access the Word of God for themselves, to be able to just read the Bible and understand what it's saying, and then communicate to their people the heart of God, you know, from the Word of God. So that was the first way that we got engaged in a pastoral training. So how, what does that look like on the ground there? How does that pastoral training work? Early on, we, we kind of determined that we wanted to kind of focus in with a smaller group where we're, um, there's a mentoring component. And then, uh, so we started with uh, two, two training groups totaling 60. And we said, we're going to stay with you for four years. We went twice a year for four years. And rather than telling them what the Bible said, we gave them hermeneutical tools, that is, tools so that they could study the Bible for themselves. And we said, hey, we use these tools. You guys can use these tools. You'll use them better than we would use them in your context. But everyone who was going to be in the program was required to identify other leaders and then go out and train them. And so by the, by the end of four years, these 60 had trained more than 2,000 other pastors and leaders, which is not only great because a lot of people are getting training, but obviously when you have to train something, you really learn it. Yeah. If you're going to have to go share this, you you better learn it well. If they listen in a whole different else. way. They're not just sitting there kind of passively taking it in. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. What's the advantage of that style of ministry, training locals in that culture, in that context, as opposed to sending Americans, sending Westerners to go and minister there? Well, I mean, from our v viewpoint, anyone who's coming to strengthen the church, we thank God for them. Our training was very simple. It was inductive. Um, it, we, we always immersed in the Bible itself. We did different genres. We did the Book of Jonah, we did New Testament, Old Testament. So, so that was the way we went at it. But then a, another component of it was that we actually went and observed them doing the training. We actually observed them preaching. And that's when you really find out, you know, right. how deeply they're internalizing what they're receiving. Well, and that's the mentoring part of it, too. Yeah. When you can see someone doing ministry, then you can come alongside them and say, hey, you know, did you think about this, or kind of, like you say, coach them along the way. Right, and you find out that there's some humorous 
connections they make between things that you never intended. So, <laughs> can you share one of those stories? We have a, a thing we we have called the three legged stool, which is the the training model we use. Uh, it's it's part we we will demonstrate, we'll preach, and we'll say, here's an example. It's not going to be perfect, and then we'll have um, dig and discover. So it's kind of two way. We're teaching and they're they're talking back, and then they they uh, demonstrate themselves. They they preach and we listen to them. And we got out, and this this three-legged stool became everything under the sun. <laughs> like it could be the Trinity, it could be you know you just you never know what it, the church and the Bible and doctrine. And so we we kind of found out. Okay, let's be sure they know exactly what we're saying. Yeah, <laughs> especially in a cross-cultural context, sometimes you can walk into some minefields there without even knowing it. Right. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Alan Shear. He is the Horn of Africa director for Frontline Mission. What are the biggest needs for the church, particularly as we talk about the Horn of Africa? What are the things that, that they need? You've talked about training because there is that need to grow depth. What else? Yeah, as we were doing this training, the guys would go out to train leaders, and they would come back to us and say, hey, we got a training group of pastors Several of these pastors we're training don't have Bibles. So we're giving them tools to study the Bible, but they don't actually have a Bible of their own. And I have to admit, like, I thought I really knew what it was like out there. But when they were telling me that, I just was incredulous. How can you be a pastor and not have a Bible? I mean, they may have a portion of the Bible. They may be sharing a Bible with somebody else. So that's when we became aware that among especially the Oromo tribe, which the which is the largest tribe in Ethiopia, probably no more than one home in 200 had a Bible. The cost of that Bible was just exorbitant for them. Um, there was they just nobody was bringing them in the country. So that's when we launched the Oromo Bible Project with the goal of supplying one million Bibles to the Oromo people. So there are now north of seven million Oromo believers, and the church is growing rapidly among that tribe. So that's that's what we started. If you think about that, I'm just thinking for our listeners, most of whom, like me, probably have 10 Bibles at their house, uh, and then you talk about a culture where one out of 200, and not this is not just one out of 200, this is one of 200 Christians. Uh, these are people who are followers of Christ, but they don't have access to God's Word. That's pretty, um, pretty eye-opening and pretty humbling, I think, for us. I, I hope, as we hear that, now, this particular tribe, are they? what's their background before Christ? Are, are they predominantly Muslim? Are they mostly kind of tribal religion? Or, or what, are, what are they coming out of to follow Jesus? Yeah, historically, um, and I'm not an expert on the Oromo, but it would be divided between Muslim and animist. Um, now, most of them would be either Muslim, Orthodox, or Evangelical. Ethiopians generally consider themselves a Christian nation, and the first Christian nation. And there are certainly a lot of things in their culture that are just wonderful, you know, kind of echoes of Scripture. But over time, um, the Orthodox Church just uh, became very full of superstition. There's a, a, a huge focus on Mary, you know, even more than typically we would think of maybe Roman Catholics focusing on Mary. They are just extraordinarily focused on Mary. And uh, a lot of uh, uh, cultic practices, even in the Orthodox Church. And the ritual, I, I just, I remember we visited a church when I was there and saw a lady 
kneeling by the door, and she was kissing the door of the church repeatedly. Uh, and I just, it, it was heartbreaking to me to know that someday she's going to stand before God and say, oh, I, I did what I was supposed to. I kissed the door. I did all this. I, I followed all the rituals. And God's going to say, unless someone tells her the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, God's going to say, sorry, I never knew you. That, those weren't my rituals. That wasn't my thing. And so what happens when people within the Orthodox background get that true relationship with Jesus Christ? It's, it's amazing. Ethiopians are a very dynamic people, a very bold, uh, kind of fiercely independent people. And in my experience, when they lay hold of the gospel, they become missionaries. Um, it, it's beautiful. I, we, there's a guy um, in a, a rural region of Ethiopia named Tadella, who's a pastor. Um, as a young uh, teenager at Orthodox, about 17 years old, actually heard a voice standing in a field with his livestock, come to me. And it's a great story. It's just, it's, he walks for two days, finds some Christians who lead him to Christ, give him like maybe the Gospel of John, walks back. And, you know, fast forward now, 20 years later, this guy who never had any formal training has a church of over 3,000 people. <laughs> and they've started 10 other churches. Wow. But on the other side of the equation, this is one of the churches that we were able to supply Bibles to. We brought about 600 Bibles to this church. Prior to that, they had a total of six Bibles. For 3,000 people. For 3,000 people. Plus 10 church plants. Right. <laughs> they may have had some out there, maybe one for each church plant. But Wow. So they're, they're on the go, and, and if we can come and resource them, I mean, how can people be strong in the Lord if they don't have the Bible in their hands? And... For us here in America who do have the Bible, how can we be strong in the Lord if we don't read it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other. I mean, it, it, you, I know you've seen this everywhere you go, but you know, the, we, we put these Bibles in each into the hand of an individual. We don't just kind of back up a truck and dump out boxes of Bibles. And when they receive it, you know, you talk about, I mean, every metaphor of Scripture, you know, gold, treasure, jewels, they just... They hold it. They treasure it. They'll often kiss it. You know, it's it's so moving to us, and it's like, do I value the Word of God like these folks do? It's it's really beautiful. And I know the connection between Voice of the Martyrs and what you're doing is partly that. Is partly those Bibles. Some of those are being sponsored by Voice of the Martyrs. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we uh, we were contacted by Voice of the Martyrs a few months ago, and uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how they heard about what they were doing, but somebody said, uh, we want to know about what you're doing. We would be interested in helping you. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and this is what's been so amazing about this whole project. We haven't had a big promotional arm or something like that, but organizations like VOM, not caring who gets the credit, have stepped in and said, we just want to help. We want to serve the church. You know, we have the Bibles to Captive Nations Fund that people give to. Some of our listeners have probably given some dollars to that. That's exactly what it's for, is to put Bibles into these nations where Christians face persecution. Let's talk a little bit about the Christians that are coming out of a Muslim background, because I know they there is persecution from the Orthodox side, but it seems to be a little more intense from the Muslim side Talk about some of those stories of, of people you're seeing come to Christ out of that. 
Yeah, God, God is moving. It's, you know, sometimes you watch the news, it can be very discouraging, and we can feel very embattled, and let's throw up the razor wire. But you go to these places, and you see the Spirit of God is bringing in a harvest of Muslims. And even with everything that's happening now, Muslims around the world are, are rethinking. And a lot of them who aren't radical, most of them aren't radical, and they're starting to say, what really is my religion? And so into that, that questioning vacuum, the, the Holy Spirit is stepping. It's just every time I go, I meet like sh- sheiks who are leaders of villages, imams. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite guys, I just love him, uh, is a sheikh named Jeruz who lives in a rural area of Ethiopia. For 60 years, had never met a Christian, which is very typical. Wow, yeah. You know. And uh, two of his sons went to a meeting where a converted Muslim sheikh, a village leader, had come to Christ, and his two sons heard the gospel the very first time and believed. And they went home, and they told immediately they told their parents, and their father said, get out, which is yeah. obviously very <laughs> typical. Right. But over time, they, he let them into this, this little shed outside their house. He told them not to pray, but then he told them, okay, you can pray, but don't pray loud. And, and uh, finally, one day, he just came in with a horse whip and almost killed one of his sons, and just furious with him. And uh, shortly after that, that, that sheikh had a vision of Christ. And, and I don't remember the exact words that were said, but he came in and said to his sons, tell me how to, to believe. Tell me how to receive Jesus Christ. And he did and uh, furnished the land for a church. Right now, there's a, there's a church building sitting there, and that church has been an outpost to plant other churches. And then, like, about a year and a half ago, I was there, and we were, we were there talking to him, and he said, you know, a Muslim evangelist came through, and uh, it was during Ramadan, and they still dress the same. You know, they, they look the same. They don't change those. They don't change their names. Right. And this Muslim evangelist came through, and he's looking around. It's like, why are you guys eating? And this, this sheikh said to him, because we found the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so the Muslim evangelist pronounced the curse on them yeah. and went away. That evangelist that night had a vision <laughs> and came back the next day. He came to Christ. Now he's itinerary, itinerating around Ethiopia wow. sharing the gospel. So from Muslim evangelist to Christian evangelist... Yeah. Uh, through the testimony of these believers and through a vision we that is so common in the Muslim world. We've heard so many stories over the last year of Muslims having dreams and visions and then coming to someone and saying, oh, what's going on? Or being pointed into the scripture. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. Is the persecution that you typically see in Ethiopia, is it typically at the family level, uh, whereas, you know, it's your parents, it's your big brother, whatever? Yes, definitely. On, on a, a na- national level, uh, the government does a pretty good job of providing uh, protections to people. Sometimes in a local situation that's that it's not as good, but you know, when you have beliefs that sometimes have been held for you couldn't even count the generations, hundreds and hundreds of years, there is an immediate immediate visceral reaction from the family. Most of Ethiopia is rural and they live in in small 
very tight enclaves. Now, the government, we talked about the fact that one time it was communist. So it, is it is it really democratic? And, and they do honor religious freedom at this point in time? Uh, there is, uh, in my experience, and I'm not an Ethiopia yeah. expert, but there is a, a, a high level of freedom for the gospel. Which you would think with 20% of the people now being Christians, at that point it's almost unstoppable. I mean, even even if you tried to stop it, I'm not sure you could. Uh, Christianity is still growing at, as the last time I saw the numbers, more than twice the rate of population growth. Wow. So they, they are amazing. unstoppable. They yeah. are a people on the move. I mean, not only are they unstoppable within Ethiopia, but I've heard them say innumerable times, all these Muslim nations around us, Somalia, Sudan, Djibouti, Saudi Arabia, we believe God has put those nations here so that we can reach them. Which, when you think about some of those nations, when you talk about places where it's tough to be a Christian, uh, Somalia is really right close to the top of the list. I mean, you've got al-Shabaab there literally hunting Christians down to kill them. Do our Ethiopian brothers who are talking about taking the gospel to Somalia, do they know about those, the level of persecution that they could potentially face? Just my last trip to Ethiopia, I was with, uh, it, it was actually the, mo the most moving experience of my life. I was with five converted Muslim sheikhs, men who had studied the Quran at least 25 years. One guy had studied the Quran 40 years. Wow. So and he's an expert. <laughs> he, and these men have all come to Christ. They've all started house churches, and their united goal is to plant churches all the way to the border of Somalia and beyond into Somalia. So I'm just looking at these guys, and I said, I, I can't imagine it. You know, it's a death wish. Right. You know, for you or I to go into Somalia, you know, how long are we going to live? And I said, That's, isn't that a hard work? And these men, this one man looked at me, so just like I'm looking at the Apostle Paul, like a persecutor turned into a, a, a propagator of the gospel. He said, it's not hard for us. He said, we are the same color. We speak the same language. We wear the same clothes. We are masters of the Quran. We can go into any village, and we say, we want to have a discussion about the Quran. And within a few minutes, we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> so the only way you're going to stop them is to kill them. But you and I both know that that's not going to stop them, because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So they go into a village. They say, hey, we were going to have a Quranic discussion. A bunch of people gather up. Oh, hey, these sheikhs are here. They're going to talk about the Quran. We better listen in. And then they turn it on to, oh, hey, enough about the Quran. Let's talk about Jesus. Well, of course, there are mentions about Jesus in the Quran, so they'll start there. Hey, did you know the Quran says this? Do you know the Quran says that? You know, And they'll use that Socratic method. They'll ask them questions. But, but most people really don't know the Quran. Right. You know, so they, it's, it's easy for them to be able to explicitly say, this is what we have been looking for. They're not hiding it. They're not right. dancing around it. They're proclaiming it. And they are experts. In, I mean, the people respect them because they understand, hey, these are guys who really do study the Quran. They know what it says. If they say it's true, then it's, it must be true. Right. And that's where you get those people movements to Christ, which brings us all the way back to the need to put the Word of God in their hands to give them the training that's going to allow them to access the Word so that the church can be solidly grounded 
on the Word of God. And it's so important in Ethiopia. It's so important in so many of the nations where we work. That that discipleship, leadership training, raising up people who can make other disciples. And uh, I love the model that you're following of training people who are going to train people who are going to train people and spreading it out that way. You've got some pretty big goals as far as pastoral training. What are they? And the beauty of it is they're not our goals. Um, Once we finished our four-year training commitment, we basically said to the leaders, what do you guys want to do? Where do you want to go from here? And they said, we want to take this to the nation. So of the 100,000 pastors now in Ethiopia, 80,000 of them have no access to formal training. And so these guys thought about it, and, and, you know, their vision is to train 20,000 pastors by 2020 in basic hermeneutical biblical training. And then with that, our goal would be to provide 1 million Aromo Bibles in addition to a church planting program that we're partnering with. And this is an indigenous church planting program in the hard-to-reach radical Muslim and Orthodox areas, and their goal is 1,500 church plants by 2020. So they have audacious goals, and we're just so blessed to be along for the ride. (laughs) Hang on tight, because it's going to be wild. You know what? I would not bet against them. Nope, I wouldn't either. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Alan Shear. He is the Horn of Africa Director for Frontline Mission. Uh, Alan, as as we kind of close out today, first of all, how can people connect with Frontline Mission and with the work that you're doing around the world? Yeah, you can just Google Frontline Mission International. It's the best way to, to, okay. to find us or the Aromo Bible Project, and uh, the page will come up. But, you know, even what you give through Voice of the Martyrs, Voice of the Martyrs has been a great partner, and we're, we're looking forward to additional partnership as we move forward. Yes, that's great. And we talked about Bibles. All of our listeners, you can give to the Bibles to Captive Nations Fund. That all 100% of your gift to the Bibles to Captive Nation Fund goes to provide Bibles. So that's exactly what we've been talking about. Last question as, as we finish up, Alan, is um, how can we pray for the church in Ethiopia and in Somalia and in the Horn of Africa? If there's, if there's one thing I would really call people to pray for, it's, it's leadership. Uh, the opportunity is there. I mean, God has thrown wide open the doors, but we need leaders who are, who are men of integrity men of high capacity, and, and above all else, men that are committed unswervingly to the Word of God, because that's the future. I encourage our listeners, uh, you can connect with us at vomradio.net. Uh, I would encourage you to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia. Uh, I think of the people in Somalia, uh, like we said earlier, There, there's not many places on planet Earth that are harder to be a follower of Christ than Somalia uh, because of the nature of Al-Shabaab, because of what they're trying to do there. Um, so please be in prayer for our brothers and sisters in the Horn of Africa. Alan Shear is the Horn of Africa Director for Frontline Mission. Alan, thanks for being with us on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. It's been great. Thank you so much. We mentioned the Bibles to Captive Nations Fund. If you'd like to give to help provide Bibles in nations like Ethiopia and Somalia, come to vomradio.net and then go to the Donate tab at the top of the page. That's vomradio.net. You can also send me a question or a comment and access every episode of VOM Radio 
at our website, vomradio.net. It's Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and we have so much to be thankful for. One of the things I'm thankful for is the opportunity to visit with you each week and share the amazing stories about what God's doing around the world. We've had some incredible stories this year of people coming to Christ, of people facing persecution, even ISIS fighters having dreams and visions of Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to share those stories. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for being a part of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.